We're on the road on a Thursday, as we always are at Cavens. Cavensgroup.com. Find Cavens Group. I tweeted the link on my Twitter feed at Plank Show, but you can find Cavens on social media every way possible Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search Cavens Group. Call them at 405 573 3048. Emergency response on water, fire, mold, hazmat. Uh, my man Chris still grinding on the roofing side. Cavensgroup.com. All right, while we wait for John Hoover, a couple of good things here. I heard from Tectina. I heard from Tectina. That's a good sign. I was worried. There had been radio silence since Saturday. But she emerges with this. Never, ever root for Texas. Of course, it's a tad different for me. Hey, listen, it's, if you're just jumping in, we dove into a little Alabama, Texas. And I know the guys in the uh, – we've been slow to move on to next week beyond Oklahoma SMU, right? In this Saturday, this, this slate of games is fantastic. I mean, even in the Big 12, even in Baylor after what happened against Texas State, right? They've got to turn around and play Utah with their backup quarterback and without one of their best defenders. Amazing game. Uh, you know, Texas Tech's going to win this, uh, or Texas Tech's got a big one this weekend where if they win, suddenly, oh, my gosh, everything is, is zooted and booted. Everything is rebooted. Holy smokes, if Tech can go out and beat Oregon. But if they get housed, oof, it's a little bit concerning. Baylor uh, and Texas Tech both, you know, have uh, some yeah. redemption possibilities this week. Big time. No hoove yet, I assume? No hoove, yeah. Okay. No no dice there. Sorry. Boy, I, I hope I didn't build all this up just for him to forget to blow about us, his blow boy. Us off, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I spent two days building up John coming on with us. But so we, we've been a little bit slow to talk Texas-Alabama this weekend, to be honest with you. Not that we don't want to. But just, I mean, a lot to recap from OU Arkansas State. So today was the first day, and one of the first angles slash takes was our man Patrick, who said, hey, man, don't we want Texas to win so they can be as highly rated as possible when Oklahoma plays them? Patrick did follow up, by the way. Kind of feel like he's fighting at times a one-man battle, then at other times it's like, yeah, he's right. Can you imagine if OU Texas is two top ten teams? It would make a crazy environment even crazier. It's, I don't know how much more crazy we need OU Texas to be. But it's, it's a, I don't think it's that hard of a, of a question to answer. I think in this instance, on September 7th, from Cavens Group on a Thursday, Year of Our Lord, 2023, Josh Helmer. I am of the I am of the opinion that we should be the biggest Alabama fans on the planet in that matchup. And it's hilarious because everyone has buried Bama this offseason. Buried them. Oh gosh. You know, it's just not the same. Georgia has surpassed them. We can only win eleven games a year. <laughs> Which may be true, but Still amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if that's the standard of bad, well, wow, that's, things could be a heck of a lot worse. 
anyway, I mean, it just, I, I think this would be a wild narrative shift if Texas were to get housed. But that, that to me, is really the only negative that could come for Texas this week, outside of a couple of injuries. I mean, let's not be literal plank here. But there's a little bit of house money to it. A lot of house money. They could go there. I mean. You just can't get thumped. Josh, nobody, and I mean nobody, got more grace, pub, hype, forgiveness, if you will, than Texas for the way it played one quarter against Alabama last year. One, I mean, we put Quinn Ewers on a level that I don't even know if it's attainable based on how many, one good quarter last year against Bama. Now, don't get me wrong, he said he had other good games, but when people talk about Quinn Ewers, what game do they talk about? They talk about the first quarter against Alabama. Mm-hmm. They don't even talk about Oklahoma, Texas that year. They talk about, man, Ewers against Bama, man, that first quarter, he looked great. That's what he can be. Nobody, Josh. That was one quarter. He did not come close to equaling that. It's like Ted always says about um, Spencer Sanders. When was Spencer Sanders' best game in an Oklahoma State uniform uh, for a long stretch? Heck, looking back, it might still be. It was his first game. It's like he came out and played incredible against Oregon State, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they got a good one. They got a good one. And then you, you you saw flashes of it. I mean, Oklahoma State fans, we could. 21 Bedlam. 21 Bedlam was a great performance that he had. Right? Second but half up, especially. Up until then, it was, you know, it was maybe that's still his best performance. When, so, I don't know, man. I, Quinn gets a lot of grace off that first quarter. Agreed. When does Texas, because, look, Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC next year, and, and I'm existing in this world, and I think we're both there to where it's uh, it's kind of a outside of getting blown out. It's a no lose situation in a lot of ways for Texas. But when is that gone? Is it gone next year for Texas? Is are we misreading this with Texas Alabama because the litmus test for quote unquote being back for both Oklahoma and Texas? It's gonna be beating Alabama. It's gonna be beating Georgia, right? I mean that that's it in the SEC. So when does that moment kick in? Is it this weekend? I don't think it is, but when does it kick in? It's a great question. It's a really good question. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind keeping Texas down. I just, I couldn't care what it does for the matchup against Oklahoma. I just want to tell you guys, there is a lot of different versions of this on the text line. I'd rather root for so-and-so Taliban, um, uh, Putin. We had a- I think there was, I think there was a North Korea that was thrown in there too. Someone mentioned Trump, Carol Baskin, Carol Baskin was in there. So there's, there's a different version of that <laughs> in every text that is being sent to this show. <laughs> Real quick, 5808 gets a double shot. Texas getting all this love from everywhere, and they don't even have a Manning starting at quarterback yet. 
It's only going to get worse, man. Dude. I'm saying dude a lot today. I'm trying to watch my language. Dude, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is a large group of people. Travis can attest to this. I think this team isn't going to reach the level of greatness it can be until Arch Manning is their quarterback. Arch and on, man. All right. Um, I love this, dude. AllSooners.com. He's covered the University of Oklahoma for uh, many moons and in many different phases. He is John Hoover, and he joins us live on the Plank Show on the Riverwind Casino Jackpot line. What's up, Hoove? How are you on this Thursday? What's up, Chris? Never thought you'd ask me to be on your show again, man. I've been I've been waiting for this opportunity. You're, everyone's got you uh, taken care of, man. I had to fight through contra- <laughs> contractual restrictions to get you here. No, man, I, I love reading you. I, I just want to say I love what you and the crew are doing with AllSooners.com. I read it daily. Uh, I listen to the pod, so it's a must-listen for all Sooners. But help us settle this debate. That's right. uh, I, It's very one-sided. If you're an OU fan, you want Texas to go down and go down hard against Bama. You can't worry about what it does for the Red River shootout, right? You need Texas to lose. You want them to go down. Mm, hmm? I would I would think there's going to be a pretty good split on okay. both sides of that. But, but I would think the majority, the vast majority, yes, wants Texas to lose, right? What have you made of that matchup? Have you been able to dig into it too much? No, not too much. Um We'll find out. Uh, you know, Texas, we've said it a hundred times, um, preseason hype, unwarranted. What has Sark ever done? 15 years of underachieving with, uh, you know, arguably the best recruiting classes and annually in, in the Big 12. What, what, what evidence do we have that this is the year, right? We've, we've heard this song before. We've seen it yeah. play out. So We've been um, here before. We've been here before, so if so, if you're looking for evidence, I don't think you're going to find any. I think what you're going to find is is a, a one sided game. However, that's exactly what we all thought last year when this game was played, <laughs> right. and it was a fantastic game. Physical quarterback was good until he got hurt. You know what what could have been if Quinn Ewers had stayed in the game, all that stuff. So, yeah. That's why they play the games. That's why they play the games, Chris, because we just don't know. John, it's uh, tough at times to deduce whatever we want to deduce from 73 to nothing versus Arkansas State. But with that in mind, what are one or two of the, in your mind, most important developments from last week for OU? Um, Developments just in terms of what we think we might see on the field. Yeah, is that what, fair? what we saw. Yeah, that that we can take away as legitimate, uh, legitimate yeah. takeaways from last week. Okay, so I think one that that stands out to me is I, I keep hearing this. Um, it's anecdotal at this stage. We we've got one game, uh, one body, one game for to study for as a body of work, and so you can't put all your cash into that drawer. It's just a bad idea. But I think it's encouraging to say, and I think it's realistic to, to believe, I keep hearing this, and I, I, I have yet to find something that makes me want to think the other direction. This team looks different. This team 
acts different. They talk different. They carry themselves different. I think that's true. I'm not 100% sure, but I think Saturday was a was a great indication that that might be correct, that they might actually be different. They might have better chemistry. They might um, be, you know, enjoy being around each other together uh, more. They might uh, understand what the coaching staff is saying and up taking that knowledge and applying it to the field. I think, I think that's correct. This team does look different. They look like they're playing harder, playing more precise. Some of the 15-yard penalties that you saw last week were almost every one of them was like, okay, that's not a problem. That's perfectly acceptable. That's <laughs> that's the kind of 15-yard penalty you want, you know, one of those effort plays type things. So, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of busts on the offensive line. There wasn't um, – there certainly wasn't a lot of busts on the defensive line. So I think they're different, but we need probably to be sure we need a bigger body of work. Could not agree more. Uh, John Hoover is in the house. I I was working – I was reading the uh, piece you guys had about Gavin Freeman, and we're working on something for uh, our magazine as well, and I found it just – you know, it's interesting that it's two years in a row, John, that he's been the hit of camp, right? Last year you saw the the bang-bang play against UTEP where he scored on his first touch. This year scores on first touch. Um I feel like it's more sustainable this year. Part of it, you know, Drake Stoops, we'll see if he goes this weekend a little dinged up. But do you do you get the sense that that Freeman is going to be a part of this team's offensive game plan all season long? Because I sure do. Yeah, I think he's a weapon. I don't think he's like a, a safety valve or a, a check down anymore or a gadget guy. Last year he was a gadget guy. Last year he was mm-hmm. a friend. Let's see what he can do. Let's let's run some Hey, I got to, I got an idea with what we can do with Kevin Freeman. Let's try this. Let's try this. This year, I think he's kind of a go-to guy. Maybe not the go-to guy, but he's one of the teams, one of the offenses' go-to guys, and that that to me really speaks to his. Um, I don't know his uh, his attitude, his work ethic. Every time you talk to his teammates and his coaches, they talk about how hard he works and how serious he takes it. So, I would think that's something that you love to see. Talking with. Go ahead, John. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just said agreed with him. Sorry, Josh. I jumped all over him. <laughs> That's me being the non-radio pro- radio professional that I'm not. <laughs> Talking with John Hoover of All Sooners. If uh, you could pick one position group from last week that maybe you had some concerns going in about, mm-hmm. which one do you feel better after one week of, uh, of Sooner football? Which one do I feel better? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm, tough one. Um, so the, the 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 one that got the most attention was there's there's no quarterback sacks, mm-hmm. no pass rush. We only got two quarterback hurries and six tackles for loss. Where's the disruption on the defensive line? I I get what was going on up there. We've talked about it all week. We've talked about it since Saturday night with the Arkansas State's decision to you know. Ru- block with eight guys and send three guys out into a route, right? So um, max protect, all that. I totally get it. I'm not that concerned about the defensive line. There was a there was a rotation going on with those guys personnel-wise. It was consistent. I thought the, the twos were productive. I thought the threes were productive. I was impressed by that. I was actually impressed. Is the lack of production startling? Mm, not startling. Maybe something to keep an eye on. But 
there's a number that popped up that that during the week that I was kind of reviewing the game, watching it back, and I was looking and I was looking and I was like, is that for real? 3.85 yards per carry by the running backs. Mm-hmm. 3.85 yards per carry by the running backs. I thought the running backs played pretty well. I don't think anybody, like, stood out. I think there were a couple of runs, maybe a couple of times that he finished a run by Javante Barnes. I thought looked really good. Tawi Walker made a couple of guys miss here and there. I thought that was really good. But 3.85 by the running backs is not what you're after if you're Jeff Levy at all. So uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's um, guys sharing carries, you know, not being able to get into a rhythm, not being able to get that kind of vibe going in their direction like running backs always say they like, you know, carrying the ball a lot in the second half. I don't know if it was uh, the offensive line being maybe a little less precise than you would like. I don't know. I don't know. So that's just something to moving forward. I think uh, Sooner fans are going to want to keep an eye on. You're going to want you're going to want that number, especially in the non-conference, up around six or seven, and it's at three point eight five right now. Mm. Only way it can go is up, I guess. Um, who yeah, final exactly. thought before I let you get out of here? So many interesting ties, right? Uh, you and I covered Tulsa back in the day, and seeing Sean Griswold as the SMU strength coach. He'd spent some time with Todd Graham. Uh, Rhett Lashley was always part of Gus Malzahn's tree, but, you know, Corey Roberson played here last year, and I think he scored a touchdown last week. Calvin Thibodeau has done a good job with their defensive line. I love Brent Venables and just being open and honest about, you know, that process and bringing Todd Bates here and communicating with Tibbs. But uh, some familiar faces, but I, I just I don't know what to make of this SMU team. Before I let you go, what's been your take on SMU and what the Ponies are bringing in Saturday? I Honestly, Chris, I think my take on SMU, I'm not sure, but I think, is uh, similar to my take on a lot of schools this year, a lot of teams, and that is, wow, they've really done some work. They hired a new coach. They've got a new offensive coordinator. They've got a new quarterback. They've got they've they've pillaged the transfer portal. At this stage of the season, it's all it's all it's almost like NFL preseason, right? Right. It's almost like. Well, what does that really mean when we see something on the football field? Is that sustainable? Is that guy for real? Is he really the starter? Uh, is that the way the, this offensive coordinator is going to run his offense? Is that what this defense is going to look like all season long? I think college football has reached a kind of a boiling point where it's like it, it's, we, we don't know, and it's okay. We don't know what all the answers to these questions are one or two weeks into the season, and it's okay because that's just the way college football is going to run from now on. Hmm. By the time we get to conference season, maybe we'll have a clearer answer about what uh, what the identities of all these teams are. And I think that's a that's a word that coaches used to throw around. We need to find an identity. We need to have our own identity. I think right now coaches are going, I have no idea what our identity is. <laughs> and I think SMU fits in there. You can follow John on Twitter, at John E. Hoover. Check out allsooners.com. Great website. Hoover, I'm glad we got to reconnect, man. Hope we get to do this more often. And I, I guess I I guess I won't see you till the postgame press conference on Saturday, right? I'll be in that chair. I'm always in. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll see you then. Take it easy. Thanks, Chris. John Hoover. He's right there on the corner next to the, I guess, next to the end. 
And I stand there uncomfortably. Hey, guys. And I try not to blow my first two questions. Coach, your thoughts on the game? How do you feel about the way you played? All right, see you all later. Try to match that macaroni award-winning radio. Dude, are you following any of this Bill Belichick story right now? Please tell me you are. No. What, what have I missed? Listen, it's 1023 on the ref. we got to take a break, but real quick, we're going to get back to your text when we come back. And then Coach's Corner, I guess Bill Belichick and his longtime girlfriend broke up, and the Patriots are, like, freaking out because they don't know what she's going to say or do on social media. I guess, I guess she has a history of getting a little bit loose with the old book of faces. Oh, love it. They're worried about uh, some of that tea getting spilt? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and I hope, I hope she does. <sighs> All right, quick break. We're going to get to some Coach's Corner's highlights. Did I say that right? Coach's Corner highlight. We're at Cavens on a Thursday, 405-573-3048, CavensGroup.com. It's the Plank Show. Dude, I just got so triggered by a headline. What was it? I, I Last segment, what were we talking about at the end? Uh, right before who joined us, excuse me. The overhyping of Texas, right? Yeah. I, I got so angry, I've got to go grab my phone. I just threw my phone. The basic headline, it's, it's building up Sark, right? And it's on Parker and them aren't 24-7 sports anymore, right? They're rivals? That's right. Okay. So it's, it's from 24-7 sports, and the basic gist of it was that Steve Sarkeesian has gone from, you know, an outcast to a possible Nick Saban successor. I ask you. Josh Elmer, what has Steve Sarkeesian done with any team that he's coached to lead you to believe that he's put himself in position to be a successor to Nick Saban? He ran a good offense with Nick Saban at Alabama. I guess. I mean, that's, that's what he's done. He, you know, separate from that. USC was, of course, underwhelming, and you know, contrary to what some out there might say, Texas has been underwhelming so far. I don't. I mean, I've never seen anybody with zero 10-win seasons as a head coach. Now, we've had guys that haven't been head coaches before that have gone into places and excelled. I mean... Lincoln did it here, right? He hadn't been head coach before. He had some success. So off to USC. Urban Meyer. Oklahoma's had a great history of that. Right. Urban Yes. Yes, Josh. I don't have to go any further than that. But when the, the, the track record is there, is this a dude that's still getting – what, this is his third season in Texas, right? 21, 22, 23. Is this still about that 2020 team? that had, oh, go look, dudes that are playing every down in the National Football League right now, apparently except for their captain right tackle. But uh, how do you get to that? Like, how? Well, you don't. <laughs> based on uh, based on the accomplishments so far, you, you, you don't. And 
I don't think that's right. You know, okay. I mean, Dabo Sweeney and who else would be up for for the gig? I don't think right now he'd be. I mean, he wouldn't be one of the top candidates. No, no. Now that could change with uh, a win this weekend and a great rest of this season. Absolutely. But uh, where we stand right here today, no, I I don't take that uh, to be correct at all. I am interested though in to see what that list is going to look like to succeed Nick Saban. I mean, it's kind of funny because you mentioned it, right? Everyone kind of always assumes Dabo, but that wasn't too jaw-dropping this past Monday. And was it three of his last four games they've lost? Yeah, I mean, he's all of a sudden, it's a fickle business, right? He's right, right? trend the other direction. And but yet, I, do... I, I still think he'd be the, the top guy, right? Sure. Just based on the history and everything. I mean, would... If Kirby Smart would have gone to Georgia, like if he would have gone to the place he didn't play, like if he would have gone somewhere else and had success, then maybe you would mention a Kirby Smart since he spent so much time with Saban. I don't know, dude. But you know who would be really, really far down that list for me? Steve Sarkeesian. Really far down that list. But I digress. All right, to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. I can't cheer for Texas under any circumstance. A true OU fan lives by the mantra, it is not enough that I should succeed, but for my enemies to fail. That is from Genghis Venables. <laughs> That's how I put you in on the text line, sir and our ma'am. That's just what I feel. Um, for the 918, are there any notable college head coaches that have gone from unsuccessful head coach at multiple spots to one of the best head coaches in the game? Ooh, that's a good one. I think my knee-jerk answer is no. Here's part of it, though. Here's part of it, just to be fair. And that's a great text. That's a great question. This person picks and chooses, and every single one of these takes is outstanding. Look at that. Scroll back through. One text in May, one in June, one in August. So good. So good. The problem is the. it's not necessarily that he failed at USC. It's how it ended. Battling alcoholism, mm-hmm. having to leave. Well, I mean, it's, but, but even with that, like, let's take the and, – and I'm not trying to downplay the severity of it. I, no, think, no. I think you no, and no. I – Sensible people have been sensitive to it o- sure. over the time. But if we could set that aside and look strictly at the football field and the wins and losses, it was not a successful right. tenure. But there's many that feel if he was able to work through those at USC, that they were on the verge of breaking through because in 2014 they had a 9-4 and four season. And he was coming off a, a good season in Washington. And at that time prior to Sark taking over at Washington, which, you know, Washington's in a – they're in a pretty good place right now, the Huskies are. But when Sark took over, that was a winless football team. That was an 0-12 football team under Ty Willingham. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about. Right? And now they're they're treated as this – one of the toasts of the West Coast. I, I, I completely, though, and totally agree with that previous texter. He just – it's wild. It's wild. 
It's kind of like Lane, Kiff- Lane Kiffin's a good example, I guess, right? But Lane was only really unsuccessful as a head coach at Ve- – well, no, no. USC. USC, you're right. Yeah, he was bad. Got left at the tarmac. When, when Todd Graham smoked them, he was left on the tarmac, like Josh said. There's, there's many more examples of previously great but not uh, good here than there are – was really really bad because you don't get you don't get second third and fourth chances when right, you're bad exactly. as a head coach typically exactly. unless it's the National Football League. This is a good one too from Maryland from the two four zero, Pete Carroll. It's not college but NFL to college. I mean, Pete Carroll gets fired at New England. Fired. Knew he was done. Fired. When he was hired at USC, y'all, I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember. Whenever Pete Carroll was hired at USC. It was backlash galore. It's like, what are they doing? Why are they hiring this retread? And then, lo and behold, he does what he does at USC, and boom, goes to the Seahawks and wins the Super Bowl. Right. So that's a good one. Yeah. But it's very rare. We'll be we'll be scratching and clawing to find more the rest of the show. But I love the question. SEC snob. One more, and then we got a break. To me, the week one takeaway for Oklahoma was one, two, three deep on the roster, and there was absolutely no loss of production. Did you notice that was my that was my question of the of the week? I asked Ted Roof, Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, and Miguel Chavis about it. And they all said the same thing. It's good, it's gotta get better. <laughs> no one was like, Yeah, mission accomplished. I agree with the SEC snob. All right, quick break. Um, When we come back, our sneak peek at Coach's Corner. You'll hear from Miguel Chavis. You'll hear from Jeff Levy. As we come to you live from Cavens, 405-573-3048. Emergency response with water, fire, mold, and hazmat. It's Plank Show on the Ref. If you were a gambling man, Josh Helmer, over under 52 and a half, which way are you going today? Chiefs-Lions. Chiefs-Lions? Correct. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'd take over. You can't live rooting for fewer points, right? No. And uh, even though Kelsey's out, you know. Oh, you, is he out? Well, I mean, we're expecting, right? I okay. Mean, I, I'm just mentally prepping that way, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, if if you're Gambling on the game, you've probably got to think like that too, right? Is right. Like I can't just I just can't bake in a couple extra touchdowns to, to Kelsey. You gotta plan like Kansas City's gonna be playing without him when, Agreed. You're, when you're thinking about this. So and even with that, you expect Mahomes to go direct Kansas City to what? Twenty four points, something like sure. that, maybe more. And uh now with Chris Jones out, I mean you worry a little bit about Kansas City defensively. So yeah, I, I would I would be leaning on the the upside of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Um, this Thursday, <clears throat> tonight, told you I'm Ron Burgundy in my notes. Tonight, Coach's Corner hits the air on the Sooner Radio Network. You will hear from Miguel Chavis and Jeff Levy. Now, Coach Levy does a press conference. He talks to us after the games. He does a press conference after the games. Coach Levy does a lot of media. So he's asked a lot of questions. But – we, we went, I mean, it's not like I said, we didn't ask anything. We asked a lot of the questions that he's been asked, but I, I love the idea. 
love the idea of trying to learn what we've seen different in in Dylan, Dylan Gabriel, in DG. Um, here's what he said. I think being year two here at Oklahoma, understanding what the day to day is every single day, understanding what the expectation is every single day, you know, I, I think is a huge deal for him. He's incredibly comfortable right now. He's confident, and he's fighting like heck to get better. That's what I love. Whether it was yesterday at two o'clock, wanting to get going. Or early this morning, wanting to get going. He's uh, man. He's ready to get better, and he's ready to have a great week. Do you feel like? Okay, question. With so much buzz and hype around how good Jackson Arnold looked, Josh, do you feel like it's been talked about enough or not enough? Just how smooth one Dylan Gabriel looked. It's probably gotten taken for granted a little bit, but. Let's see what happens this week. I mean, if he's that crisp again, people are going to be talking about it. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I was really impressed with Dylan Gabriel, man. Just very much in control. And the two others from Levy. Don't feel like we've talked enough about Austin Stogner, even though there were some concerns that he didn't catch a pass. Yeah, Stog played well. He he's a he's a guy I tried to get a couple, you know, down there in the red zone um, that that we weren't able to connect on. But he's uh, he's just been incredibly steady. And so again, looking for for him to continue to lead, to continue to get better every single week. We need him to be a, a huge part of of this offense, and I, I think he's going to be. Um. I came away with all the talk about the concern over the tight ends just real quick, Josh. I actually felt pretty good. I thought they, the, the ones that we saw in Stog and what Smith and the McIntyre, I thought they all looked pretty good. Want to see Stogner out there, you know, healthy, uh, nice bulk of snaps going out doing what, well, we were accustomed to in 2020, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a positive sign that Blake Smith caught that one and showed a little wiggle after the catch. And Fanuel and McIntyre did some things. So, you know, minus Helms and minus Llewellyn, that, that's encouraging that those other guys did that, right? Yeah. But. Absolutely. Probably we need to see Stog go be Stog. Right. Right. Can I slide in one more from Levy? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. How do you feel about that offensive line? Yeah, toughness and physicality is what I like and how hard we played. We were not perfect. Uh, we had the right people in the run game all day, which was really good to see. Uh, Arkansas State did a nice job being uh, being able to get some extra hats to the box when we drew back and weren't throwing around, maybe weren't as, in, as, as much RPO uh, world or schemes as, as we wanted to be. Uh, but again, our guys played hard, man, played physical, played excited. And we got to continue that trend. We want to do what we want to do, man. We're going to be nasty and physical and tough up front. So that's uh, that's something that was great to see on the tape. Really cool. Really cool. That, You'll hear the full breakdown for Levy tonight. I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. No, that threw me off a little bit when the Millennium Falcon uh, exploded in the middle of that audio cut. Dude, we joke about it a lot. And it's it's the true old man get off my lawn. <laughs> But the fact that we can't on any sports show anymore, like I curse the person who sits there and is like, all right, you know what we need behind this highlight? Some uh, ex- extensive club mix guitar riff that's really loud, and let's get a little whoosh, whenever we go into it. 
80s, every sports show. 80s dance great music. Idea. Let's go. 80s dance music. Now. Uh, and then real quick from Miguel Chavis. I got two here from Chavis. We we heard his take on Jonah Laula yesterday, right? Or, I'm sorry, earlier today. We heard the cut where he talked about, hey, man, this is, this is a big-time dude. It's a guy that's made a, a big difference for Oklahoma in what he's been willing to do. But how about Rondell Bothroyd? What's the impact and what's stood out about the way that Bothroyd has taken to being a Sooner? Listen to this breakdown of his progression from Miguel Chavis. Rondell, what he brings, the, the, he's a veteran. You know, he knows the game, and the game is not fast for Rondell. And, uh, but I've been really impressed with his leadership. You know, I think he and I had a conversation earlier in the year uh, after spring ball. And I said, all right, listen here now. You've been here longer than 12 minutes. you got to start leading. And uh, he's just humble, you know, for a guy that's played as much ball as he's played and all-conference player. He said, yes, sir. He said, I mean, I just wanted to, I wanted to fit in, coach, in a good way. You know, I wanted to be one of the guys. I, I wanted the guys, I wanted to, to earn it by my play, not by my words at first. And he said, I'm going to start being more vocal. And just the, the maturity and the sensitivity to understanding the dynamics, you know, and then his play. And he, his, his play is really, really loud. And, uh, but man, we just trust him wholeheartedly, can lean on him, and uh, I can coach him harder than anybody. And that's what I love. You know, you want to be able to coach your best players harder than anybody. But Rondell separated um, as, as we got out of fall camp. And I think we saw that on display at times in the game Saturday. Didn't play a lot. Maybe even through some of the buzz out of camp, you heard it. But impressive guy. And what did Todd Bates say the week before, Josh? What was their first win? Where was the first place that the Bothroids and the Ford and the DeJon Terrys, where they wanted to win first? The locker room. They wanted to win the locker room first. Pretty awesome to hear, right? I mean, it's how it should be. It's, uh, you know, any line of work or business. I mean, you, you're the new guy. You try to uh, – you know, well, generally speaking, unless you bought the place, try and go, <laughs> go in and not, you know, shake things up too much, right? I mean, you want to fit in. <laughs> there is a time whenever you're the new guy and you don't care how people feel about you. That's when you own the joint. But for Bothroyd and Ford and Terry, just speaking of the D-line guys, pretty cool to see. Quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, let's get, uh, get some of your text. They've been good as we're on location at Cavens right here on the raft. Top five stories of the day coming up on the opening night of the National Football League. Slide into a couple of quick texts here, courtesy of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Jimmy and Edmund asks, do you guys think the players got held out of the first game because of who we were playing, like running backs, meaning not getting much changes to run, chances to run more so we don't show much, giving people playing time for their hard work? And this coming weekend, we see what running backs and the best players more. Just what I was wondering. In other words, game one was more of a reward for your hard work. Game two, here's the dudes. Now, I don't think that's the case. At least it's my understanding that they're, I didn't see an updated depth chart in the game notes. I don't think they're updating it every single week. And I would also add, 
some of those people you didn't see are hurt. Like Gavin Sawchuck is hurt. Um, R. Mason Thomas is hurt. I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying anything about you, sir, but I just think some people have had a hard time accepting that Tawi Walker and Marcus Major earned that opportunity. And do we all think that you know, come their time as that's wrapped up at in Oklahoma this year that Javante are maybe in their careers at Barnes and Sawchuck have a higher ceiling? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I I don't think there was any not playing someone. Well, let me rephrase that. Could they have forced Drake Stoops back into the game? Absolutely. You know, might R. Mason Thomas had gotten a few snaps if they were down an edge guy and it wasn't Arkansas State? Possibly. Yes. But, but I don't think that I don't think that there was anyone who was punished because it was Arkansas State, if, if that makes any sense, right? You, you're going to see a lot of the same dudes that you saw this Saturday, last or last Saturday this Saturday, right? I mean, I don't expect Javante Barnes to suddenly get 25 carries this weekend, do you? No, I mean, I think that yeah. we're going to see a healthy mix again. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, the depth chart isn't updated game to game for now. You know, if they might have an injury or two, maybe they will. All right. Oh, gosh, there's so many good texts here. DG keeps having those games. He'll be in New York City. Uh, Big Bad Wolf has a good take here that we'll get to. It's rolling. It's rolling. Top five stories today next.